Hello, everybody, to the next session of our SESEC podcast. And this time again, a very special topic on the elbow. And uh, now it's going to get a little bit complex because this is a very difficult and complex topic. And the paper we're going to present is called Two-Stage Reimplantation for Deep Infection After Total Elbow Orthoplasty. And I have the first author of the study here which is Natalia Martinez-Catalan, and she's from the Hospital Fundación Jiménez Díaz from Madrid in Spain. And I have the senior author of the study here, which is uh, Joaquin Sanchez-Sotelo, very well-known shoulder and elbow surgeon from Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota in USA. And I'm very honored to have my, my old boss here, who is uh, Frank Golke from Uh, the Rhön Klinikum in Bad Neustadt in Germany. He's the head of the uh, very famous shoulder and elbow department there. And he's going to be our SESEC expert on this topic because I know he has done a lot of uh, two-step revisions on shoulder and elbow surgery. Um, Natalia, this is a very interesting topic and study you did. This is, as I have read, a retrospective study on a lot of elbows that were collected in a period of about 17 years in the Mayo Clinic. Can you give us a short summary of what exactly you did in this study and what were the main results? Yes. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Dr. Robert Klick and Dr. Frank Olke. I'm talking on behalf of all the authors. Uh, we are very happy and very honored to be featured in this postcard. Our study basically originated on the problem that a periprosthetic elbow infection is very difficult to manage and the rate of persistent infection um, are higher compared to hip, knee and shoulder arthroplasty. We know that two states uh, is considered the treatment of choice of infective total elbow arthroplasty, but compared to hip amni, um, the rate of persistent infection uh, infection range between 25-28% compared to 5-10% to in the uh, hip amni. So we decided to perform this retrospective study to uh, determine the infected, uh, infection eradication rate in a cohort of patients um, treating a reference center like a Mayo Clinic uh, to identify difference between partial and complete component removal at the time of resection because uh, our hypothesis thought that, uh, was that maybe a partial uh, resection of the components may lead to higher uh, persistent uh, infection rates and to determine other possible associated risk factor for treatment failure. So first, we identified 88 elbows, three with two stage, but we uh, exclude those uh, with less than four weeks uh, of uh, antibiotic um, uh, dose in which the implant was uh, uh, resected at another institution and those, those uh, with less than two years follow-up. Um, and, uh, and then we performed the retrospective study that, that was uh, really hard, hard because uh, many patients had surgeries uh, before total elbow arthroplasty, surgeries before the resection uh, um, uh, of the total elbow arthroplasty, surgeries in between states, um, different approaches, uh, different period of uh, antibiotic treatment, and different uh, uh, period of them in between states. So um, at the end uh, of the follow-up, um, we um, we found that the infection was considered to be eradicated in 69% of cases, um, but um, we saw that due to uh, the high number of operations that this patient have for other non-infection complications, 
Um, another patient developed uh, a late infection for a, a different organism. So um, the, uh, there, there wasn't um, a statistically significant difference between partial or complete uh, resection of the component, but we analyzed the risk factor for treatment failure. And what we, say, what we saw was that uh, um, the treatment failure was 3.3 uh, times higher in those with retained cement and 3.5 times higher uh, when the infecting uh, organism was uh, Staphylococcus epidermis. Um, so the result of our studies seems to, to indicate that uh, two states may lead to uh, eradication of infection approximately in 70% of the elbows, but however, due to high rate of complication and reparations, may, some elbows may develop a late infection by different organisms. And uh, uh, the other thing that we found is that um, additionally to those with um, eradication uh, of the infection, the uh, functional outcomes are not uh, um, well, are not satisfactory in all of the patients. Only 60% of the elbows we obtain good or excellent outcomes according to the meta score. Yeah, very interesting, Natalia. This is this sounds really uh, like hard surgery, and the, I mean, if you look, there's 31 percent failures. Frank, such a high failure rate. What do you think about this study? Uh, I would say that this is not an exceptional rule. I believe that uh, this is true not only for the Mayo Clinic, it will be true for any other center. Uh, it is not comparable to the shoulder. You have different germs and uh, you have the soft tissue envelope is small. You have only very, very limited bone stock. And uh, this makes probably that uh, together with the spectrum of germs uh, in, be involved and as well as a pa the, the patient-related factors. So uh, here in Germany, the majority are rheumatoids. So I guess I've seen this several times in UK and I uh, witnessed there, and I've seen that uh, the majority are rheumatoids. I have no idea how it is in, in, in the US, but I guess that the majority of these people are rheumatoids as well. So that's, uh, it is not given. Uh, so far as I understood, you did not tell us uh, what kind of patients you treated with. But what we have seen is, especially in these rheumatoids, when they're taking this uh, drugs, uh, special drugs adapted to, uh, to the newest generation of, uh, of DRMDs, uh, that we see a lot of complications. And uh, in many of those patients, that even when you believe two, three, four, five years that the infection is off, they start again with the next DRMD, and then it comes again with a different germ because the, the immune system is depressed. So I would say I'm not wondering about this high number, and I would say it is honest, and it is probably, uh, it is what we have to expect in this difficult uh, patient selection. And uh, you, Akin, I have one question uh, to you. I mean, this high failure rate, what, what do you conclude after uh, um, Natalia presented this data at your department? Thank you very no, much. I, you know, our, 
Yeah, I think you know our data. They are not so much different, so a little bit better from the from the infection reinfection rate. But uh, I think this is uh, heavily depending on the patient selection you are treating. So, and uh, I have seen that, uh, so far as I understood, it was a, a Staphylococcus epidermidis. Staphylococcus epidermidis is uh, forming a microfilm, has often a resistance against all kind of antibiotics. So I'm not wondering that uh, that you, you run into problems when you treat infection of the elbow. And as we all know, then the second job after First job, you remove everything, then uh, second job to reconstruct it. It can be even much harder than you have to use allografts or you have to use um, not only allografts or you need any custom-made arthroplasties. And all of them are more prone to have a reinfection, especially in this kind of selection. So that's, I would say, uh, for me, it looks... Uh, honest and it looks as if it is really reflecting a reality what we are dealing with in this special patient selection yeah thank you very much again robert for for having me uh tonight you know natalia did a great job with this study because uh, it was so difficult for her to go through every single record and chart and surgery after surgery but the reality is that like a doctor Golki just mentioned being honest in research is important and that is how you actually improve. So for me, the learning points of this study I use for counseling of my patients, and I tell them, based on what we know, if you come to me with an infected elbow arthroplasty, there is a 70% chance we can cure the infection, but there is a 30% chance we won't. And at the end, there is a 50% chance you will keep your implants because, like Natalia mentioned, other patients that we were able to cure the infection, um, they still had other uh, reasons for failure that led to more surgery. So basically, the message of the paper is that infection after erythroblasty is a catastrophic complication. And the number one priority for us, I think, as surgeons has to be prevention. Because once the elbow gets infected, we know that as of today, we are not as successful as we wish we were. And I think what Dr. Golke mentioned is important. Many of these patients in the second stage reimplantation, they require really complex surgery. 50% of them require either impaction grafting or a structural allograft. 20% had to have the triceps reconstructed. So the complexity is very high. The other message is that, and I didn't know this, if we leave cement behind, the risk of reinfection is higher. And the problem is that in the elbow, it can be very difficult to take all the cement out. Like Dr. Golke mentioned, the canals are so small. And if in the index surgery, for example, the surgeon didn't use a cement restrictor and you have cement all the way to the ulnar head in the wrist, it's really difficult to remove all the cement. So I think there is an opportunity here for two areas of research. One is, can we really work hard to prevent infection? And number two, what can we do now to be better? Because to me, this is a very humbling uh, result, but it's actually the truth, and that will give us ground for hopefully improvement. Yeah, I fully agree with you, and I would say I would add the, the following. So at the moment, there's a trend 
as you know, the DARE procedure that you try to keep the implant and uh, give prolonged antibiotics, and especially in, in Switzerland, they reported a high success rate. This was never working in our hands, but it seems to be as if now is a tendency that you just uh, open up, you take off all the mobile parts, and then you, you're using antibiotics in a different way than, than, let me see, five years or 10 years before. And especially the combination that you take rifampicin together with anything else. So it has the, the therapy, the, the supporting antibiotics therapy within the last five years has changed. So when you speak about the surgery and the approach in 2001, my approach in 2001 was very simple, just to take out everything. So we're always taking out everything. We never leave any cement rem remnants because in former times I have seen a lot of hip and knee arthroplasty and I learned that it's not working. So that's uh, that's what I learned from knee and hip arthroplasty, and I try to do it in the elbow. So I, I I do not hesitate to make a window or to open it up, and then to fix it with cyclage cables and take take out everything of the cement. So this is that is about the techniques. And at this time, uh, I just believed that it works when everything is clean, and uh, then you reimplant, and then it will be fine. And then we have same failure as well. So I think. We as surgeons have to learn that the treatment of infections is, uh, we have to learn more about the biology of the germs and the right way of prolonged antibiotic treatments uh, in, in primaries as well as in, uh, in revisions. Mm. Natalia, please. Yes, Dr. Hudek, if I can say something, um, I saw that uh, one of the problems is to rule out infection is very difficult because uh, not all the patients present uh, with uh, typical symptoms or infection um, uh, in the elbow and preoperative aspiration is not always positive because in our study only 70% of the aspiration were positive. Uh, so in some cases, we have to make the diagnosis uh, with a loosening or, or night pain, uh, a combination of all the um, uh, symptoms and, um, um, and uh, blood, uh, blood samples, uh, PCR, etc. But um, I think that uh, is uh, one problem. And um, I don't know if you recommend uh, to do um, maybe um, example as, um, to took the to take the the samples of the joints uh, with an arthroscopy or or, uh, or open surgery or whatever to improve the diagnosis or no? Yes, I think that the germ is very important. As you know, on the shoulder we have piagnus, but in the elbow it is predominantly Staphylococcus epidermidis. So uh, I think this is one of the main problems. And the elbow seems to be different uh, comparing to the shoulder in terms of, of the germ spectrum. Hmm. I have another question, Natalia. I have seen the mean age of your patients um, was 61 years, um, ranging from 21 to 85 years. 60 years seems to me a little bit young. In those cases that failed, so the 30% failures you had, have you seen that these patients were younger or older than the mean? Older, but not statistically significant uh, difference. But um, I think the young age of this patient 
is because we have a high percentage, uh, high, high percentage of uh, patients with uh, post-traumatic arthritis. So if I don't, um, if I remember, um, we have uh, for, uh, 40% um, of patients with post-traumatic arthritis and 33% of patients with inflammatory arthritis. So I think that's the reason why, um, why we have um, a very high uh, 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 um, volume of patients with uh, John H. But uh, mm. we saw that the complications are higher in older patients, but the difference are not uh, statistically significant. Yeah, thank you. And another question maybe um, to Joaquin, the 30% that failed, um, what did you do with them? Did they ever get good? What do you tell the patients that are in this 30% range? Will they ever get free of infection? So um, in the paper, we reported that some of those patients did go for another second stage reimplantation. And uh, that's a conversation to have with the patient, which is difficult to have because by then they already tried the whole thing once. One surgery, antibiotics, a second surgery. So for them, you know, it's really, really hard as human beings to deal with that again. But some people don't want to give up. There are some patients that we offer them a permanent resection. And uh, years ago, uh, when I was starting at Mayo, we did a study on permanent resection and... Uh, That is not a great solution either because by then there is so much bone loss that they have what we call dysfunctional instability. The elbow floats all over the place. So to be honest, there is not a good solution. You know, there is, I see some patients sometimes that come with this flail arm and they still have a hand. They use a brace, but they cannot do much. That's why I think the key is twofold, is to prevent infection in the primary setting. And then if it happens, we have to do what Dr. Golki said, Just go for every single retained piece of cement. Do a really good job in the primary setting when you do your resection arthroplasty and hope you can cure the infection. And what do you now at Mayo to prevent the infection? So multiple things. We're very careful about canceling surgery that is elective, which is always hard. Like sometimes you have a patient coming to the operating room and if they have diabetes and the hemoglobin A1C is very high, we will cancel the patient. Pull dental work, we do the same thing. So that's one thing. We try to be effective in the operating room, not to have a very long uh, operative time. We use antibiotics in the cement in every single case. Now we also put vancomycin powder, and this is based on no data. It's just no evidence, but we're doing that as well. And I have gone to using a vacuum-assisted closure device in all my elbow arthroplasties. So they all get a seven-day temporary vac sponge hoping to decrease the swelling and improve healing and also i don't move the elbow at all for two weeks after surgery no motion so all those things are in an effort to prevent the wound complications because if you do i think if you're careful in your patient selection and then you minimize the risk of wound dehiscence you may have a chance of preventing infection i have a question joaquin Uh, we discussed it here in Germany widely. How long should you give which combination of antibiotics 
after you have come into surgery. You know, from the hip, there are some controversial data. So first, uh, it was longer, 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 longer. Now there's one paper given that shows it's a little bit less. But what do you do? How long do you believe? And which combination you are at the moment using? Do you have the possibility to discuss this with a microbiologist who now looks especially for this type of germ uh, in, in terms? Let me see, for example, six weeks or 12 weeks. Do you combine rifampicin with uh, with any other antibiotics? Do you have a special idea about that? Uh, have you very good experience with one combination and a very bad one with the other? So, with other words, what is at the moment your post-operative treatment option in terms of giving antibiotics? Yeah, so that's a great question. So, we do have a very close cooperation with the Infectious Disease Service. So every patient that goes through a two-stage implantation is seen not only by the orthopedic surgeon, but also by the infectious disease specialist, and we rely on them to dictate what antibiotic. Most of the time, it is one single agent, IV, for six weeks. That's the majority. And they they start to use combination therapy like rifampin and things like that when they go into suppression mode. So when a patient has an infected elbow that didn't respond, but we're trying to do everything possible to avoid any further surgery. That's when they will sometimes will use refamping and others orally for chronic suppression. But most of the times in between stages, it is six weeks, IV and one agent. Yeah, one agent. Uh, do you have the opportunity? So for, here in Germany, it's difficult to tell the patients, okay, uh, once you are discharged from the hospital, uh, you will get a nurse every day who will give it uh, if in, in, in not as, as an oral drug, but rather than like it is in a hospital. So um, do you have the chance to manage it in, in, in Mayo that you say you have nurses and you have a system at uh, supporting the patient in that way that you get his infusion every day? Yeah, so uh, most of our patients do not live in Rochester. They come from a distance. So what they do is they go to a local hospital. And most hospitals in the U.S., they have an infusion therapy center for cancer where people get chemotherapy, so typically patients go there. But also, more than 50% of our patients, a family member will administer the medication at home. So they get a peak line, we call it, or a peripheral uh, line that is at the elbow flexion crease. They get the medication storage in the refrigerator, and then every day maybe the wife or the husband is the person that we train to connect the needle to the device and get the antibiotics. So by doing that... Um, most patients are compliant, so we're, we're lacking in that regard. And we just have to educate patients that they're going to have a family member being their nurse for those six weeks, but patients typically are accepting of that. Is your treatment when you have a germ like Staphylococcus aureus or epidermidis, uh, it is directed to the production of microfilms? Do you then change your ideas about antibiotics? It is um, feel about yeah, yes. So if it's a, if it's a microfilm, filming uh, bacteria, you know, then we have a much, um, lower threshold to repeat the treatments if they become necessary. But the antibiotic is typically dictated by the resistance pattern of that bacteria. So that's the number one factor that is considered in what antibiotic to use. Hmm. Very interesting, uh, topic and very interesting answers to, uh, super complicated problem in shoulder and, or elbow surgery in this case. And uh, I think the conclusion is clear for everybody. 
prevent the infection as good as you ever can do set the right indications and do everything to prevent it as i have seen from the data from your study and also from similar data from my old department from frank Golke, who's also doing a lot of these revisions um prevention is maybe really the best key so thank you very much for uh giving us this uh, interesting study thank you for doing this great work and uh, thank you very much for this beautiful interview and um, i hope to see all of you soon on one of our next international meetings thank you very much thank you Thanks. this was the sesec podcast on the paper two-stage reimplantation for deep infection after total elbow arthroplasty with the authors natalia martinez catalan from madrid in spain and joaquin sanchez sotelo from rochester minnesota usa and my sesec expert today frank wilke from bad neustadt in germany My name is Robert Hudek. I'm from the shoulder and elbow department from the Atos Clinic in Hamburg, Germany. I hope you enjoyed this one and I think we can meet very soon in Dublin where the next international congress of our society will take place. So, see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>